But hey, we are in the middle of a series, and I say middle, early middle, very early middle of a series on the book of Ecclesiastes, um, where we're walking through the book of Ecclesiastes, verse by verse, essentially answering this question that all of us have probably asked at one time or another, and it's, what is life? Why am I here? What is the, the point and, and what I love about the book of Ecclesiastes is the way he answers the question to what is life. That it's this person who wrote it who essentially what he does is he goes on this quest for meaning. And because of who he is, he has an ability to, to try everything that a person can try in their attempt to find, why am I here? How do I find greater purpose? And this morning, we're going to look at one of the experiments that he conducted. And, and as he sought meaning, he thought, okay, to answer the question, what is life? I am going to find the answer by accumulating wisdom and knowledge. In essence, saying, I, I think that if I really, really want to be fulfilled, I will be fulfilled in wisdom. And, and, and like, wisdom's one of those things where it, it has a good element and it has a bad element to it. And then I would just I would illustrate it this way. I don't know if anyone has ever thought this. I know that I think this regularly, where maybe you look back on the past and you think something along the lines of, I wish I would have known then what I know now. Like maybe you look back on the past and you're like, man, if I would have known then what I know now, I wouldn't have cared so much about what people thought about me in high school, right? Like probably some of you, you look back on the past and you think, man, if I would have known then what I know now, I wouldn't have spent all that money on that degree that I'm not using because I have this job that didn't need the degree that I'm using. There's something about looking back where you're like, man, I wish I just knew like now what I knew then. And even if you look at things like medicine, like the things that we used to do to treat people, it's like, you're like, that can't be serious. I found this article on the internet that it's, it's honestly, it's an advertisement for cocaine tooth drops. Like, how is that real? Like that, but that's, like, that's something that, that happened. Like, there's, there, 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 was, there are things that we used to use, like leeches to cure ailments, and it's like, if we just suck enough blood out, that should, that should do the trick. But I even found this, I found this, this uh, article about um, when President Lincoln was shot, okay? And, and with the advances that we have made in trauma care, there's this theory that if, if he would have gotten shot today, we might have actually been able to save his life. Okay, so, so you look back and you think, man, if I would have known then what I know now. And, okay, and, and this, this shows us the good, and this shows us the bad. Here's the good. The good is that you can learn. That you can, you can learn in a way that you don't make the same mistake twice, but, but here's the bad. 
that knowledge that you have now doesn't do anything about what happened in the past. And there's something about knowing that. There's something about fixating on that where you're like, gosh, if I could just go back, and the thing is, you can't. And no amount of knowledge is going to give you the ability to go back in time, at least not yet. And that is what the author of Ecclesiastes realizes here at the end of chapter 1. Let's take a look at it. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 12. And we'll go through it a little bit, and then we'll kind of stop, and then we'll go through it a little bit more. It says this in verse 12. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem. And I applied my heart to seek and to search out wisdom, by, by wisdom, all that is done under heaven. It, it is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity, a striving after the wind. Now, this is, this is his first experiment. And, and it's really important that, we, that he reintroduces himself. And that's what he does. So for chapter 1, verse 1, he introduces himself, and then here he goes in verse 12, just to remind us who he is. And, and, and here's why it's really important, because this is someone who is referred to as the preacher. So in, in his society, he would have been a respected person who would have been thought of like as someone who is wise. But not only that, he says, I was, I was king over Israel in Jerusalem. And that's, that's really important because this is a person who, if he wants to seek wisdom, if he wants to seek knowledge, there is nothing that is going to hinder that pursuit. He's at the top. That this isn't, and it's really important. Like he's someone who can actually say, no, I sought it all. That this isn't some guy living in a village who found a pamphlet on the meaning of life and given us some thoughts on it. This is a guy who, who was king in, in Jerusalem, who had, the, who had access to wealth of information and wealth of knowledge, and he could do it. We also see that with the access that he had, he was very diligent. Notice here, it says that he, he, see, he applied my heart to seek and to search. That in the Hebrew, he actually uses two words to describe and explain his pursuit. And, and so he, he was thorough. He was diligent. That this isn't a person who says at the beginning of the year, I'm going to read more books. And then they make it like three weeks in and they're like, I'm going to wait till next year. Like this isn't that, that guy. But this is someone who is really pursuing, hey, I, I, I want to learn, I want to know, I want to, and he does. And if you look at his own words, he was very good at it. In verse 14, he says, I have seen everything that has done under the sun. Obviously, that's hyperbole, but he's saying, I saw it, searched, I had access to all this information, and here's what I can tell you. I have seen it all. Now, 
Now you hear that and you think, well, that doesn't apply to me. And I would say, this applies to you and our generation more than any generation that's ever lived. That a hundred years ago, the way people would read this would be different than we read it today. That, that we live in a world. I mean, what do, what do we call this age? We call this age the information age. And, and in most of our lifetimes, our access to information has actually increased exponentially. Like, I remember when I was a kid, and which wasn't that long ago, I remember in my classroom, we would have a set of these books, we called them encyclopedias. And, and in those books, like, I could learn as much about a topic as there was information in those books. If I was doing a paper and I needed multiple sources, after I would start with the encyclopedia, and then I would go to the library, and hopefully I would find five books on that topic, because usually that's how many sources that I needed, and that's about the amount of information that I, have, I had access to. Okay, fast forward today. I did a Google search. I typed in Nebraska football 2020, just because I wanted to see how much information I could find. I got 68 million responses in under a second. Then even, even this morning, I was like, you know what, I kind of want to see a little bit more about um, how they use leeches in medicine, and so I Googled that, and, and I found 10 news articles on how they use leeches in medicine that were written within the last year. So, so in some ways, we probably have access to more information than Solomon did. That, that this is something that applies to us really well. And so maybe some of you, you're sitting here and you're thinking in your quest for meaning, and maybe you wouldn't articulate it this way, but you think, if I just had a little bit more information, if I just had a little bit more information, if people saw me as someone who was intelligent, then I would really be respected. And Solomon's saying, I, I did, that's exactly what I did. That's exactly what I tried to figure out. And here's what I can tell you. It, it didn't work. It actually left me more frustrated than it did when I started. And, and, and the reason, though, the reason why it didn't work for Solomon was it, it wasn't that he was pursuing wisdom. It wasn't that he was trying to get more intelligent or, more under, or to better understand the world. The issue for Solomon was that he wanted wisdom to be his meaning. That he wanted, that he, he thought the answer to the question of what is life, that the answer was, I need to accumulate more information. And he did so in a way that said, I'm going to do this without God's help. You notice there was a phrase there in, in, in the verses where it says, I sought to search out all that there was that was under heaven. And if you were here last week, we actually talked about how the goal of Ecclesiastes is to fix our gaze beyond heaven, beyond the sun to the place where God lives. And what Solomon is saying in that statement is he saying, no, I'm going to seek the best and the brightest that this world has to offer. That I'm going to pursue knowledge 
without God's help, because surely that will help me in my quest for meaning. And what does he discover as he seeks this without the help of God, without any consideration of God? Is what does he find? He finds himself incredibly frustrated. Look at this in verse 15. In verse 15 it says, what is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. He's like, I searched it all. I tried to figure it out. I became very wise, and here is what I discovered. There are things that you just can't do. Like, there are things, like, there are things that you, that you, that your knowledge will reveal that you just cannot do. Even in the statement that, that what is lacking cannot be counted, here's what he's saying. He's saying there are things in life that you are going to discover that will make absolutely no sense. Like, the more that you know, the more that you're like, I do not understand this and why this happened that way. And so Solomon, as he looks at wisdom, as he looks at knowledge, and he's like kind of frustrated, he uses this really interesting metaphor to describe our pursuit of knowledge. And, and this, is, this is the metaphor that he's going to carry throughout the book as a, as a way to try to pursue meaning outside of God. And it's this phrase, chasing the wind. It's this phrase like trying to capture the wind. And I, I know it's a metaphor. I know that it's not something that any of us could try to do, but let's just imagine for a second what we would do if we tried to catch the wind. Like, let's just say that you, like, really are like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out a way to capture the wind. Here's what you'd probably do. You'd probably study some weather, weather patterns, right? Like, you'd know when the wind was coming in. You'd probably turn on KY3, listen to Ron Hurst, because he's the chief, and you'd wait for a a pretty windy day that you know is coming, where, it's, where it's, it's a strong wind coming. And you'd probably go outside and you'd have a jar, like a big jar. And, and, and you'd start doing probably a lot, a lot of this motion, right, where you're like, nope. And then you, a, a lot of that. And here's what would be super frustrating, especially if you think you could catch it. You'd feel it. You'd know the wind was there. Like, you, here's what's super annoying. You'd know that it's, it's going in the jar, but there's nothing that you can do to capture it. It's just making you mad. When you're trying to find meaning outside of God, that's what's going to happen. What happens when you try to find meaning through, through accumulating more information? Like there's a part of it that you're like, you know, this feels kind of good. Yeah, I know a little bit. You know what? Yeah, I was able to actually solve that. But at the end of the day, it's, it's going to leave you frustrated. It's going to leave you wanting more. It's like trying to get the wind in the jar. And, and that's what Solomon wants us to see here as we consider our quest for, for meaning through finding wisdom. And so what he does here in Ecclesiastes as he finishes out the first chapter is he does something called Hebrew like parallelism. And he, he, essentially what he's doing is he's going to say the exact same thing in a different way to really drive home his point. And so let me just, I'll, I'll read it to you and I'll kind of point it out as, as we've looked at it. So starting in verse 5, not in verse 5, in verse 16, 
He says, and I, I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were in Jerusalem, or all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. So what is he... How did he start off the, the, this, this section of Scripture? We start off by saying he was in Jerusalem. He's reminding us that he was in Jerusalem. He's reminding us of his position. And then he's also reminding us that he accumulated great wisdom. He said that he, he discovered all that was under the sun. So he's just kind of repeating himself. And then he says in verse 17, he says, And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. So he's talking about his pursuit, kind of like he sought and he searched. And I perceive that this is also but a striving after the wind. So he's re-emphasizing the wind. And then he finishes with a proverbial statement, kind of like he did with the thing about being crooked. And he says, for in much wisdom, there is much vexation. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. And even thinking about that last verse there, I came across this quote. One of the things about Ecclesiastes that's so fascinating is there are a lot of people who, who don't know Jesus, but they say the exact same things that the author of Ecclesiastes says. Now, I found this quote by Albert Einstein and Bertrand Russell. Now, the jury's out on Albert Einstein, so I'm not going to make a statement there. Some people are going to say that he's a believer. Some people aren't. It doesn't really matter. But Bertrand Russell, he wasn't. Okay, like he was and he made no bones about it. And look at what he says about knowledge. He says, we have found that the men who know the most are the most gloomy. Amen, right? Like you know that guy. You got an uncle, he's always reading books and he's never happy. Like that's who it's talking about there. And that's exactly what the author of Ecclesiastes is saying. You might think that knowing more is going to solve your problems, but it might actually just make things worse. Because sometimes what happens is you discover the more that you know, the more that you discover that you are powerless to do. You find problems in the world that break your heart and you think, gosh, I wish I could unknow that. And it just, the more you know, the more that you find yourself having a hard time. So then the question is, okay so, okay, so here we are, this is wisdom, this is knowledge. The question then that we have to ask ourselves this morning is, okay, what do we do with it? What do we do? How do we, what's the response then to what is said here? And I would, I would really boil it all down to this one, like, fragment, and, and it's this. It's that, that wisdom, wisdom isn't the issue nor is wisdom the problem. It's not, it's not the issue or the answer. Sorry, that wisdom is not the issue or the answer. Because you could read what we've read so far in Ecclesiastes about wisdom, and your response could be, sounds like wisdom's a problem, so I'm going to be an idiot. You know what? If wisdom is just going to make me happy, I'm going to quit doing research. I'm going to quit reading. I'm just going to sit in front of, my, in front of my TV and eat chips and watch Real Housewives. Like, that could be what you're thinking. And I don't know that that's the response that he would want you to do either. And so, like, 
Like, and even, even to this, this is what he, he says, which I think is super interesting. Because if, if, if wisdom were the issue, then the answer would be foolishness. And, and Solomon's like, he gives us a couple things to help us see that isn't the case. Look at this in, in verse 12. He says, and I applied my heart to know wisdom. But wisdom wasn't the only experiment that he co- conducted. He also said, and to know madness and folly. He's like, so I, I sought wisdom and I also sought foolishness. Like, wouldn't it be fun to like go to he- when we're in heaven to watch how he did that? And, and, and because we know how the book goes on, he actually comes to a really strong conclusion about these in, in chapter 2, verse 13, just so that we're not like, all right, I'm going to stop caring about everything. This is what he says in chapter 2, verse 13. He says, Then I saw there is more gain in wisdom than in folly. And there's more gain in light than in darkness. So he's like, if you're going to pick one, like, if you're going to pick one, like, if you want God out of the equation, whatever, that's a, bad, that's a bad decision. But here's the thing, if you're going to pick wisdom or folly, go with wisdom. Like, they're, they're both going to end up in, they're not gonna, you're not going to find meaning, but there is one that's better than the other. And I think that the reason why that is is because there's something actually very, like, w- wisdom. Wisdom can lead us to Christ, and sometimes it can lead us there without us even realizing it. But there's something about when you realize that there's more. <clears throat> even some of the stirring that you kind of see him mention, maybe some of your response to that stirring in your life was to say, okay, I need to look to something beyond me, and it, it'll lead you to Christ. And, and if wisdom was the issue, then Proverbs chapter 9 wouldn't say this, where it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That, that wisdom, true wisdom, it starts with a proper understanding of who God is. It starts with an awareness of, okay, he, this is who he is, and I'm going to see myself in accordance with, with that. And, and even as we look at what, what Solomon was doing here, is he, he wasn't seeking that type of wisdom. He was seeking wisdom under heaven. Remember it said in verse 13, he says, I applied my heart to seek and to search out all the wisdom that is done under heaven. He's like, I'm trying to do this without God. There's two types of wisdom. There's wisdom from God and there's wisdom on your own. And he didn't want the wisdom that had to do with God. And here's the beauty of, of God. Maybe even as we talk about wisdom, you might be thinking of situations in your life where you're like, gosh, I would really love to know what God would want me to do. I would really love to know how he would want me to handle this. I, man, that would really be good. And if that's where you're at in your life, here's what I can tell you, is I can tell you he absolutely wants to help you. That he absolutely wants to give you wisdom. Not this earthly wisdom that's the best and the brightest of what we have to offer, but he wants to give you a wisdom that's, that's above the sun. But in Proverbs chapter 1, it shows us how easy God makes wisdom. It says that wisdom cries aloud in the streets. But there's something about wisdom where if you just look, you can find it. And even, we, we quote this a lot, but like, there's a God in heaven who wants to help you make decisions. In James chapter 1 verse 5, it says, if anyone lacks wisdom, he guess God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to them. He wants to give wisdom. He wants 
to direct you. But sometimes the wisdom that we want isn't the wisdom that he gives or the wisdom that he's willing to give. That we, we, wanna, we want wisdom, we want to, you know, we want to do the right thing, we want to take the right steps, but we kind of like to do it in our own way, in our own terms. And, and even as you seek wisdom, I would just ask you, like, when you think of situations where you want to know what to do, or when you're trying to, to build your mind, I would ask you, okay, why? Like, why is it that you're pursuing that information? And usually in most cases, there's an example that's going to honor God and build his kingdom. And then there, there's probably also an answer to that question that's going to create frustration and vexation. Like I know we live in this, like today, it's like it's, it's political season, right? And I would just ask you, if you're one of those people who does a lot of research, like, why are you doing all the research? Is it... Is it so that you can better understand the issues? Is it so that you can be informed and, and pick the candidate that you think is going to best serve our country? Or is it so that you can win arguments with fools on Facebook? Like, or is it because you, the smarter you are, the more that you're going to be able to argue in a way that's effective? And here's what I can tell you, if that is why you're seeking wisdom, plan on what he says there about much wisdom and much, vex, much wisdom comes much vexation. Like you look at those conversations on Newsleader on their Facebook page, like no one there is happy. But so the question you've got to ask yourself is, okay, so why is it that I'm pursuing this? There's a way that could please God, there's a way that's not, but you've got to figure out the Why? Another thing that we do with wisdom and we do with, with information is, is we, we do, we fixate on the past. And we think, if I would have known then, what I know now. And, and, and our, why are we thinking that? Well, we're thinking that because we have more knowledge. But our thoughts there, that is just leaving us frustrated. Like, yes, you should move on. Yes, you should put the past... Yes, you should learn from it. But there comes a point where you've got to say to yourself, you know what? Stewing on all the things that I would have done differently isn't going to actually change the situation as much as I'd like. Sometimes what we do is we're just, we're, we, we, we seek meaning and through wisdom by, by thinking when we have like really difficult decisions where we, we're just waiting for that silver bullet piece of information that's all of a sudden going to make a difficult decision easy. Maybe you've got a friend who, who doesn't know Jesus and God's put them in your life and you know that you need to like talk to them. But you sit there and you tell yourself that you don't need to and your excuse is, well, what if they ask me something I don't know the answer to? I mean, you're... you're using knowledge to find meaning. And I would just ask you in your situation, like, do you, do you know everything about God? Like, do you feel like you figured it all out? Well, probably not. I'm sure that if we're all honest, there are probably things we don't understand. Why are we putting that same, like, that's kind of how we walk by faith, that there are things we don't understand. But you, if you're waiting for, like, to know everything perfectly, you're just, you're going to miss an opportunity where God could use you. Even for some of you who are maybe scared of change. Like you just you don't like it. 
And you're just waiting for that perfect piece of information so that you can make the change that you know you have to wait to make. And you're just you're waiting for information that never is going to come. And then instead of measuring twice and cutting once, what you're doing is you're just measuring until the style is past. You're using more wisdom, more information as a way to say, this is going to answer my problem. And, and that's why the author of Ecclesiastes says, don't do that, it's just going to create sorrow and frustration. But what he does is he gives us another way. Like there is, there is another way. And, and as I close, we see it very clearly that the, the response to wisdom, the, the response to this is Jesus. That if you seek wisdom for wisdom, you're probably going to get frustrated. But if you seek Jesus, you'll find that you will find him and you will get wisdom too. Look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 24 and 25, he says that Christ, Christ is the power and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man. So you get to choose what you want to do. Like, do you want to seek all the knowledge that's available under the sun? Do you want to try to find silver bullet answers to questions that you can't figure out? Or do you want to say, I might not understand it all. But what I do know is I know who I can seek. That the wisdom that comes from heaven is one that says, I don't know all the answers. That more knowledge probably won't meet my needs or answer all the questions that I have. But there is someone who's gone before me that I trust. And one of the ways that Jesus transforms our hearts is that he also transforms our minds. He teaches us how to think, but the question is, are you going to seek him? Or are you going to just keep trying to figure things out on your own? That's the question that's posed this morning. Thank you for watching our services. If you have questions or you would like more information, you can visit us online at nlspringfield.com. We'd also love to have you join us at one of our Sunday morning services. We have programs at 9.30 and 11 for adults, students, and kids. We hope to see you there.